Welcome to the Whitefields Community Church Podcast. For more information about our church, including location and service times, visit us online at whitefieldschurch.com. If you are blessed by this message, please consider sharing it with others and leaving a rating or review on your favorite podcast app. Today's message, which comes from our series, Equipped to Serve, a study in Paul's pastoral epistles. Happy Mother's Day. What a great day it is today. Well, it was about uh, two months after I became a pastor that Pastor Nick came up to me, tapped me on the shoulder and said, so do you think you're ready to preach? And, uh, you know, I'd gone through seminary and I'd taken a couple classes on preaching. So I was like, of course I am. I've delivered the sermons, uh, delivered sermons to four or five people at a time. So I have, of course I'm ready to deliver a sermon. And so I went to my uh, office for the next couple weeks and I crafted this sermon and uh, I practiced it over and over again. And then the Sunday finally arrived. It was actually March 6th of last year. And uh, I was excited. I was ready to go. And I wake up in the morning and my wife kisses me and says, you've got this, honey. And I was like, I know. And I ran out the door and I was ready to go. And, um, and so uh, I went in uh, to the church and I went into my office and I practiced my sermon and I was ready to go. And before everybody arrives, I remember I came up on stage here and I set my notes out and I arranged everything and I looked out on all the open seats and I almost threw up. <laughs> and uh, it was a rough moment. At that moment, I realized that they obviously had the wrong person to be up here. And I literally thought, I wonder if they'd miss me if I just left. You know, would anybody really know? And so, but uh, I, I walked off stage and I went back to my office and for some reason, I walked past my office and I went into the prayer room and there was somebody in there praying and I uh, sat down and, and she looked at me and I noticed she had a worried look on her face and I think it was because I had no blood in my face and uh, I was very pale and she put her, her hand on my shoulder and she prayed for me. And she knew that I was giving the sermon today, and so she kind of guessed on what my prayer would be. And so I don't remember the specifics of the prayer, but I do remember that through the prayer, I was reminded that it was only by God's grace that I was in the ministry at all. And it was only by God's grace that I was a pastor. And it was only by God's grace that I was here at Whitefields. And it was only by God's grace that I would be delivering that message that morning. And so if God did all of that to put me behind the pulpit for that moment in time, then why would I think he wouldn't give me the strength and the courage and he wouldn't equip me to do what he had put before me to do. And it was then that the Holy Spirit really grabbed a hold of me and gave me true resolve to do what I had to do. And I was still nervous. Absolutely, I was still nervous. You know, quite frankly, every time I get up here, I'm kind of a little nervous. But I knew that I was in the hands of a loving God who cared for me. And I knew that it was God and only God that would give me the strength to do the task that he had set before me. And so that's what, that was the case. I got up there, I wasn't sick, uh, you know, I didn't pass out. You know, nothing happened that was dramatic. God comforted my spirit and I was able to deliver the sermon God gave me to deliver. 
Have you ever lacked strength in something? And have you ever been called to do something that you felt that you couldn't do? Or you couldn't handle or you felt not equipped for? Where do you find the strength and the courage to do the things that God has set for you to do? And so today, in today's text, we're going to look at that. We're going to look to see that it's the grace of Jesus that gives you the strength and courage to do what God has placed before you. And we're going to see how he can take hold or we can take hold of that grace to give us the strength and courage we need to do what God has called us to do. And so we're in a sermon series called Equip to Serve, where we've been going through the pastoral epistles, the first and second epistles to Timothy, and then we're also going to cover the the book to uh, Titus as well. And these are letters written by the Apostle Paul to the young pastors, Timothy and Titus. And as we like to do here at Whitefields, we like to go through the Bible chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And so now we are in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. And it says, Paul is writing to Timothy in chapter 15, you are aware that all who are in Asia turned against me. Among those are Phygelus and Hermogenes. Those are names we don't use often enough. Now, Paul is uh, bringing up this because he just got through talking to Timothy or writing to Timothy about this very topic. In verse 8, he says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in the sufferings of the gospel by the power of God. And so now he brings up an example of this very thing that's happening in Ephesus where Timothy is currently pastoring. And the two men that he's talking about have turned away or deserted Paul. And now we don't really know anything about Phygelus or Hermogenes other than their great names, uh, but it, it seems that they were somebody of note in the church, maybe church leaders, maybe somebody that uh, they were worthy colleagues of Paul. Uh, but the two of them, uh, those two that, that Paul mentions very well could have been the people that Paul writes about in 1 Timothy, the ones that were preaching a false gospel or leading people astray, or maybe they were even leaders that Paul had appointed during his three-year stay in Ephesus that's recorded back in Acts 19 and, and 20. Either way, though, they illustrate to Timothy the shameful way that they disassociated from Paul in his hardship and his in his ministry, and Paul so Paul he gives a a very good positive example of of this as well. In verse sixteen, he says, "May the Lord grant mercy on the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me." May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you well know all the service that he rendered in Ephesus. Boy, Paul really loves Onesiphorus, and he gives four reasons why he really loves Onesiphorus. The first one is that he refreshes Paul. The, you know that feeling you get when you're feeling really down and you're depressed and then a really good friend comes by and visits you and really lifts your spirits, really puts you in a different place. And that's really what Onesiphorus did for Paul. And it says that he did it often. 
which shows the depth of commitment to Paul in Paul's time of need. And the second reason was that he wasn't ashamed of Paul's chains. And in Paul's day, this is not a small thing. You can, if you go and associate with a criminal, you run the risk of being regarded by society and everybody that you know as a sympathizer and possible accomplice to the person that's in prison. And you could, in their eyes, deserve punishment just the same as the person in prison. And so it really highlights his wholehearted devotion to Paul and his commitment to Christ. And the, the third thing, or the next thing, is that his resolve to find Paul in Rome. He searched hard until he found him. So it seems that Paul's location really wasn't that easy to know where he was. He, he couldn't find him just by asking around. He had to really search for Paul. And it took some effort to track him down. And Onesiphorus persevered for Paul and for the kingdom. And the fourth thing that Paul mentions is the way Onesiphorus served in the ministry of Ephesus. He had a history of service and loyalty to both the gospel and to Paul. So who wouldn't love Onesiphorus? This sounds like a great guy. He was a true friend of Paul when Paul needed a true friend. But notice the contrasting imagery of desertion and dedication, shame and courage. What to model our lives after and what not to model our lives after. We want to be counted among the faithful and the courageous and those who are dedicated to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. But in order to take on and do that which God has placed before us, we need the strength to do it. And so in chapter 2, verse 1, Paul says, And then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now, starting in chapter two, Paul gives three commands to Timothy. And the first one here is in verse one. Be strengthened by the grace that's in Christ Jesus. This implies that you need strength and that you lack the strength in and of yourself to face what is set before you. And this strength will enable Timothy to do what God has placed before him and now God may not call you to be a pastor like Timothy, but God has certainly placed certain callings in your life that will bring God glory. So ask yourself, what are the things that God has set before you which you need strength to face? Maybe it's a, a difficult situation at work. Maybe it's a family situation. Maybe there's something that God has called you to do, which you just don't feel that you have the strength and the courage to carry out. Maybe you feel intimidated by a situation of, in life that's just, well, it's, it's just not that easy. Whatever God has given you to do, he requires his strength to accomplish it to his glory. This strengthening isn't necessarily physical, it's strengthening for our souls. This strength is for our heart, for our mind, for our spirit. There are times, and maybe you're going through a time like this right now, where your soul is just drained and you're exhausted. This is the grace that lifts us up and strengthens us 
so that we can press on and do the work of the Lord. Nehemiah proclaims, the joy of the Lord is your strength. So we are lifted up by grace through Christ into joy. Then our soul may be lifted and strengthened by the Lord. But if it's grace that strengthens us, well, what is grace? Well, grace is undeserved favor. Receiving something that we don't deserve. None of us would be saved if it was due to deserved favor. And it's something that God gives us because he wants to, not because he's obligated to, he wants to. You see, grace is an essential part of who God is and it's part of his nature and his character. In Romans 3, it says, for all have sinned and all fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So in its essence, grace is a gift. When you give somebody a gift, it's not a payment. It isn't because they've earned that gift. The gift is an expression of kindness, and by the one who gives it, they are expressing a kindness to you. So salvation is a gift. It's an act of grace, and it's not something you deserve or something you can earn. God gives it because he loves you and he wants to spend eternity with you. But notice that it's the grace that's in Christ Jesus that gives us strength. So let's look back into the last chapter, the chapter we started in. Pastor Mike spoke about this last week. It's, he says that it's Jesus who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose in grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began and which now has been manifested through the appearance of our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's because of grace that we are called into a holy calling. We didn't do anything to deserve it. And it's this grace that was manifested through the appearance of Jesus. So we were able to see this grace in the incarnation and the ministry that is Jesus Christ. So what does it mean to be strengthened by the grace that is in Jesus Christ? Well, everything that Jesus did by coming to earth as one of us, by living a sinless life that's pleasing to the Father, his earthly ministry, his death on the cross, his resurrection, all of Christ's work for us is the means or the avenue by which grace comes to us and strengthens those who trust in him. The grace is dependent upon and in relation to Jesus Christ. But grace is more than just undeserved favor by which God saves our souls. God also gives his grace to strengthen and meet the present needs of those who believe in him. Ephesians 2 says, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. By grace you were saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So by grace you were saved, meaning by grace you were also made alive. 
It's the very character and power of God that makes us alive in him. When we were dead in our sins, Christ made us alive. In 2 Corinthians 9, it says, And God is able to make all grace abound in you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. God's grace enables us to do good works, to do those good things that God has placed before us to do. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that was within me. So it was God's grace, his loving favor, that Paul was even a Christian. He went from death to life because of God's grace, and it was the grace of God, which gave him the strength to carry out the calling that God has placed before him in his life. And we receive and experience God's grace by faith and by trusting in Jesus. This is so key. It's through Jesus that we receive our strength. Just like a branch that stays connected to the vine to receive strength. We must stay connected to Jesus relationally to receive his strength. So look to Jesus, seeing who he is, what he has done, and what he promises to do. Trust in him, and he will give us the strength to do what he's called us to do. Because if God calls you to do something, he'll also provide you with the strength to do what he's called you to do. And yet, in order for you to experience that strength, you have to be willing to step out in faith and do what he's called you to do. A great example of this is in John 5. Jesus called a man who couldn't walk to take up his mat and follow him. And the man easily could have said, you know, I, I can't do that. If I could have done that, I would have taken up my mat and walked away. I mean, I would have done that a long time ago. But instead, he chose to take a leap of faith, no pun intended, maybe a little one, uh, and, try, and he tried to stand up. And as he did by faith, what Jesus called him to do, Jesus gave him the strength to do it, and he stood up, and he took up his mat, and he walked. And so the first command, be strengthened by the grace that is in Jesus Christ is in first one, in verse one, and in verse two is the second command. And it says, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust in faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And so what Timothy heard from Paul and what he, he's supposed to pass on is the gospel and all the application that Paul has taught him, all the sound doctrine that Paul has taught him. In fact, in both the letters of, that uh, Paul has written to Timothy, Paul's encouragement to him to, to guard and to protect the true gospel has been in both of those letters. Don't let anyone, he says, corrupt it because there are people, especially in Ephesus, as we've read about in the previous letters, who are changing and adulterating the gospel. So don't allow that to happen. And now in this final letter to Timothy, 
Paul tells him to entrust this deposit that has been given to you to other faithful individuals who will then pass it along to other faithful individuals. So in verse three, he writes, share in suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who entrusted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. So here is the final commandment that Paul gives Timothy, share in the suffering. And Paul returns to the main theme of this book. And in uh, chapter one, verse eight, if you remember, it says, therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. So it appears hardship is baked into what God has called Timothy to do. And hardship is baked into what God has called you to do. Remember, one of the keys to this book is in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. It says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Jesus Christ will be persecuted. But that's okay, because John, uh, John, Jesus gives a promise. In, the, in John chapter 16, he says, In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. What great hope is that? You know, hardship may look different to different people at different times, but whatever it looks like in your life, God will provide the strength and the grace that is in Christ Jesus to accomplish what he has placed before you to accomplish. And Paul gives us three metaphors to explain what he's trying to teach Timothy. Three ways to think of ourselves in hardship, and each one comes with a lesson, and it comes with a promise. The first is that of a soldier. The soldier doesn't get entangled with civilian pursuits. We too are called to be like a soldier, single-minded. My desire is that when people hear my name, the first thing they think of is Jesus. It's not, I don't want them to think the first thing is my political point of view, my uh, favorite sports team, nothing like that. I want them to think when they think of me, Jesus, that man loves Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't have opinions about other things, but uh, for the most part, I keep those opinions to myself because it's not my job to get caught up in the matters of civilians. It's my job to be an ambassador for Christ. I want to be known as a follower of Jesus. I want to be about Jesus. So the one who remains single-minded to Jesus Disciplined, diligent, that person will be pleasing to God. Next, Paul brings up the athlete. An athlete must endure hardship to compete. He pushes his body to the limit, and then he pushes it some more. An athlete must watch what he eats. Right there, that'd be a hardship for me. <laughs> so, you know, an athlete must watch what he eats, and, and, and you know, hello, and so... I don't know if you knew this or not, but when I met my wife, I was an athlete. I know. 
Uh, I had a six pack, I had a full head of hair. And uh, sometimes when, when I, I bring that up to my wife, she gets kind of a, a, a lost gaze in her look with a smile on her face and, and just dreams about those days. And I'm not sure whether I should be offended or not, but uh, I take it with stride. In order to win the laurel crown, the athlete must stay within the rules. Here, we, we have a lesson in integrity, a lesson of being honest and morally upright. If we do this, we will receive the reward. The final metaphor is that of a farmer. Talk about a job that is mostly thankless and is absolutely a difficult job, the farmer. The farmer works through dry conditions or even wet conditions, insects, birds, rodents, you name it, the farmer has to deal with it to produce food for the community. And through all the hard work that they endure, they get to share a portion of the crops that they produce. And so we see the single-mindedness of the soldier, the integrity of the athlete, and then the hard work of the farmer, and each one is linked to discipline and diligence. And each one of these promises that are attached to these examples are achieved through grace. It's grace, these examples are filled out in our lives that Paul gives us here. We can't say as a soldier that if I just soldier up and focus that I'll please the Lord or that I'm gonna focus and I'm gonna earn the crown. I'm going to earn my share of the crops. I deserve them because I've worked hard. Earning and grace just don't mix. Each of these promises are a gracious gift from God. If we please God, it's because of God's grace. If we're crowned, it's because of God's grace. And if we share in the crops, it's because of God's grace. In each of these examples, we see people who go through hardships for what they're doing. They take on, they persevere, and they are strengthened by it through the grace of our Lord Jesus. The last verse, Paul says, think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Paul closes his teaching with two brief statements that urge Timothy to consider carefully what he said, to think about the strengthening through grace to do what God has placed before Timothy. It's a, really a great moment here because Paul is teaching Timothy how to study the scripture. We need to think. We don't need, or we don't simply read the Bible, close the book, and then move on. No, 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 no. We must think and dwell on the truths of the word. And it says here, why? Because the Lord will give you understanding in everything. If Timothy dwells on the word, the Lord will give him understanding. In Proverbs 2, it says, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So seek knowledge and wisdom and the Lord will give it. We too have been 
dwelling on this passage, asking God to give us understanding. So let me share the understanding that God has given me this week about this passage. God has placed before each of us a unique ministry, and it's through his grace in Jesus Christ that we have the strength and courage to do it. The Father placed before Jesus a unique ministry, and he accomplished all that God put before him to do. And what did God put before Jesus to do? In Luke, Jesus says, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. He did that through the pouring out of his blood for many for the forgiveness of sins. And it's because Jesus did all that the Father called him to do that we can receive grace and not judgment. And this grace not only saves our souls, but it strengthens us to do that which God has called us to do, whatever that might be in your life individually. So be strengthened by the grace that is found in Christ Jesus. There is strength from trusting Jesus, trusting in what he has done on the cross, trusting in what he's doing in our lives now, and trusting in the promises of what Jesus will do in the future. Because of Jesus, never be intimidated, frightened, or deterred by the ministry God has placed before you. Because it's the grace of Jesus that gives you strength and courage to do what God has placed before you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for loving us in a way that your son paid the ultimate sacrifice, that he came and he died on the cross so that we would have eternal life, that we, through the grace that is in your son, that we could accomplish everything that you have put before us, that, that you would be able, that you, you would empower us. And Lord, I pray that as we go out this week, Lord, as we go out into the mission fields that is our work, that is our family, that is our neighborhood, Lord, that we would remember that you have given us each a task to do and you have equipped us for each calling and you have given us the strength to do what you have placed before us to do. Amen. You have been listening to a message from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. For more information and audio content, visit us at whitefieldschurch.com. Make sure to tap the subscribe button if you would like to have new messages delivered to your device every week when they are released. If you have been blessed by this message and would like to support our ministry, you can do so by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or by giving a donation to our church on our website at whitefieldschurch.com.